Hey, welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Today, we're sitting down with Ryan Koga from Carbon 4. He is the brewmaster and co-owner there. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff on this episode, uh, including uh, religion, beer. Um, we kind of go all over the place, and we're coming at you live from Carbon 4. Uh, so tune in. It's a great episode. Had a blast. They've got some uh, beer coming up that is going to be really good. Uh, also, uh, December 13th, uh, The Wall of Funk is playing their last show at The Frequency. Uh, they've been a great band in Madison for a number of years. And this is their last show, so go out and support them. Tickets are $10. Here we are at Carbon 4. And uh, our, our, our list of seasonals is, is short right now because um, <clears throat> with the advent of bottling, we've yeah. uh, directly gone to capacity for this equipment. We can't brew it any faster. Sure. And we need to make it more, so we have more tanks on order yeah. currently. But... Uh, in fact, uh, Fantasy Factory is four of uh, four of the five fermenters back there at any given time is typically Fantasy Factory right now, so it's hard to keep up with the other regular beers through the other one tank. Yeah. You know, uh, nonetheless, do some seasonal stuff. So we actually kind of, uh, we basically shorted ourselves a bottling run of Fantasy Factory or kegs or however sure. you want to put it. We, sure. we sacrificed some volume of Fantasy to make sure that Black IPA could come back because it's, it's fun and we got to stay fun. We have to... And it's Same. delicious. Yeah, we want to say for ourselves, and, and it's very delicious. Yeah. Um, so tell me how to say your last name so I get it right. Koga. Koga. Yeah, like okay. a toga party with a K. With a K. That's okay. Japanese. Awesome. Um, well, okay. Uh, welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. We're here with Ryan Koga of Carbon Four. Are you the owner? I'm one of them. Co owner? Yep, co owner. Uh, how many owners are there? So there is uh, myself, there is uh, Alex Evans, and then there's my brother, Zach. Okay. And we're, we make up the primary ownership team. Then we have, uh, uh, you know, two other silent investors. Okay. And you guys, you said you're coming up on your second anniversary, yep. right? Yep. Coming up, uh, um, let me see here. December 28th will be the two-year soft opening. Okay. Uh, December 8th will be the two-year anniversary of our first brew day. Okay. So... Um, that was late 2012, and then uh, grand opening was mid-January. Sure. Uh, 2012. Yeah. So was it three no, years then? It was, well, it was 20. No. Let me think here. 2011. No, it was 2012. Yes, yeah, so this is this will be a second year. December 28th, 2014 will be the second anniversary okay, of our soft yeah. opening. So it, it, you, the January was 2013. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. so this will be 2015, two yeah. years from 20. You know, I was actually All just, these numbers, <laughs> forget to carry the what? Oh, I, was, I was just talking to somebody. It's like, I am just now getting used to 2014. Exactly. And it's, it's gone. Yeah, it, throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, as I said earlier, you know, I got married in June and... There's something about having a wedding in the middle of the year that makes the whole year fly. I, I'm sure it doesn't even have to be in June. Just I had, Ours was late May. Yeah. May 28th. It was uh, Memorial Day weekend, so I know the exact feeling. The yeah. first half of the year was piled up, trying to get ready for that day. Sure. Honeymoon happened. The end of summer just kind of happened. We took <laughs> a, a trip, and then the next thing we knew, we are having our first anniversary. Yeah. Uh, you know, took a little trip, a weekend trip for that, and it was just... Same, I know the exact feeling. How long were you engaged? Oh, crap. I think almost almost two years. Okay. We, we were engaged January 4th, got married June 20th. Holy shnikes. We, uh, yeah. 
Our first date was November 23rd, 2013. You guys get to it. We, uh, so we, <laughs> uh, we've been married for five months and have just now known each other an entire year. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I knew on our third date that I was going to marry her. So and I, we were like, why waste time? I, I felt that way. Uh, I have similar feeling with, with, with my wife. What's your wife's name? Samantha. Samantha. My wife, Sam. Ashley. I actually just got yelled at at the last story slam. Uh, because I kept saying my wife this, my, like I never would say her name. And then today, actually, I was watching Seinfeld, Don't and you there's, love an, me? <laughs> there's an episode where he pretends to have a wife, and he talks about how nice it it, it feels to say my. He, I think he says it's a great way to start a sentence. My wife did this. My wife did that. Yeah. Um, and I just I just say my wife because not everybody. If I'm just like, well, Ashley said this, you know, and people are like, I don't know who Ashley is. I have my one my one of my very best friends. He always does that. He always says, uh, he's always saying, my wife, I need to do, my wife, and I, and, and we all kind of smile, and we've all, we've all ribbed him about it, too, and we're all just like, Brandon, we know, Yeah. <laughs> we know who Lisa is, she's a wonderful woman, we've well, known her for many years, I hate, along uh, with you, we're all, we're all, you don't have to speak yet in the, in the, uh, in the second person with right. that, we, we know of whom, you, to whom you are referencing. That's right, I, it's like when I see I knew a guy who got married pretty young, and on Facebook it was constantly, I'm going home to my wife. I did this for my wife. My wife did this for... And I was just... Yeah. I would comment and go, dude, we know you got married. Like, yeah. congratulations. We know Christy. Yeah. yeah. And we saw that part, so <laughs> I was actually there. Exactly. Got you a nice blanket. Yeah. And a gift certificate, so I hope you enjoyed those. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say on the flip side of that coin, though, I noticed even all in all the preparations for our wedding, mm-hmm. the, the the day we were on the altar and making those promises, it was that feeling right after when we were trying to walk out of the church, and I, I kind of felt something inside of me really did change. Yeah, and it became this is no longer just uh, uh, my girlfriend and my fiance or somebody I care about; they are my other half. I've sworn yeah. in front of God to stay true to this woman. And they are my other half, and so it's almost like speaking about, you know, my hand, my left hand, my sure. right hand. I don't, I don't give names to my left hand and my right hand. I'm yeah. so familiar with them; they're a part of me yeah. that I can just say my hand, and and mm-hmm. you know, so it's like that. It's that close. Yeah. You know, so that's really interesting. I like the way you put that. Yeah. We we normally I don't think we've ever gotten this deep uh, yeah. on the podcast. There you that's go. Really cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, I find. Um, only I took ca- 90 seconds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I kind of the sa- uh, similar vein of thought. Like, um, she's not just my wife is not just a person I married. Like, she's my family now. I tell her that all the time. You're my family. Um, she's really close to her family, and like that's hugely important to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's a, um, a Catholic, so her family's huge. And uh, I love my family. Yeah. I'm just not as close. Like, I could go four months without talking to somebody from my family and, and not out of spite or anything, just like, you know, I know yeah. you're all right. If something's wrong, you'll let me know. But, you know, but, uh, so like for her, family's really important. So I, a lot of times make sure to tell her like, you're my family. And mm-hmm. like, that means a lot. Like, yeah. So, and even becomes a point where it, it's more, uh, beyond your family. They're you. you yeah. Know? I look at my wife and, and I had, as a, as a young a young married man. I've only been married for a couple of years now. Um, but I think one of the first things I had to learn very quickly is I'm very critical of myself. Sure. And um, I've always been, and I know how to keep it lighthearted. I don't hate myself. You know, it, it's my motivation. I'm something that I, 
I want to get better all the time at whatever it is I'm doing so I can be better for the people around me. You know, I'm not yeah. wasting their time. I'm bettering, trying to better, you know, trying to like always raise to the next level because I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to stay stagnant. What's the point? You know, sure. I don't, you know, I've never read two books and felt like, oh, those two books were very satisfying. So I don't have to read books ever again. <laughs> never again. No, I, yeah, well, I, that only inspires me for more and more stories. So like the, the greater the challenge we've taken on, at any point in my life, but in this brewery, I've had several major challenges of things that I was completely lost on. Yeah. Had to learn what, how to do it, you know, and figure it out and get it done and have to be successful at it because my paycheck, you know, was counting on, and I had other people's families counting yeah. on yeah. my ability to get stuff done. Is that, uh, not to, I'm sorry for interrupting, but no like problem. the yeah. fact that you are signing people's paychecks and basically, uh, uh, basically providing for people's families is that a ton of pressure i i don't imagine i will ever be in that kind of situation but like to think about okay i am the owner of this business and i can make decisions that will either grow or damage our business which will affect people's livings like how they're taking care of the people they love i've lost a lot of sleep over it really everyone who sits in the office at the helm of our company Mm mm-hmm we, that's one of the greatest things we stress over is making sure that our decisions, not only is it providing for our family, but we've asked other people to invest in us as people, yeah. our ideas, to believe in us, to trust in us, to follow us, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can't sit back there on the hill on sitting on your horse directing the battle. You've got to lead the charge all sure. the time. And, and that is always our thought. And so much, these days, so much is, I think, out of spite or jealousy, or I don't, I don't know what it what it may be different for every single person, but I really bothers me when people come down on business owners so much. Yeah. Um, upon the ideas of capitalism or bootstrapping and, you know, really digging and doing it because, you know, we've skipped paychecks. Sure. A business owner, we, we get paid if there's money left over at the end of the month. (laughs) And I don't care if it's, you know, small business, big, big company, you know, if the structure different ways, corporations, all these things, it's really one of the tax lawyers and the tax thing that comes in. That's what forces people to kind of, get shady and, yeah. and cook the books or work things in such a way that they can try to survive. It's always when that kind of crap comes in, that's when businesses become dickheads, Yeah, you know, or, or whoever's running the thing or whatever it is. But for most companies, it's a simple game of pluses and minuses in your checking account and you get paid last, man. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm not, that's not complaining. This <laughs> is like the coolest opportunity. I'm grateful for every day. And, um, but certainly my employees, uh, their well-being and um, is, is one of our top priorities, and we like to stress to them that um, if their if their their lives, their daily work, if it's not fulfilling for them, yeah, then um, then you know we're not doing our job, or or we need to help them find what it is fulfilling. I, you know, I want people who invest their life here. I want them to leave feeling fulfilled in what they've done with their day, proud of themselves. Yeah. They know their families can be proud of them. And so we always say, you know, if, if they want to go do something else in life, they find out this is not what they want to do. However, we can help get them to where it is that their life is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. That's most important. And if they're with us, we're, of course, trying to reward absolutely good yeah. work and good work ethic and, you know, and, and great attitude. We, you know, it's, and it's fun to reward them and, and sign those paychecks is really fun. Um, you know, uh, the day the day we can walk up to different people and give them raises or give them good news is yeah. one of the coolest. I do, it is better to give than receive. I will promise. You know, I, it's one of those things you hear your whole life, and 
it's not until a certain age, I don't know what it is, but it, it really becomes true. Like, you're like, I've heard that since I was two years old, and finally, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that, that, that is a real thing. It's like, I say that all the time about um, the phrase, happiness is a choice. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, hey, that's actually true. You know, I can choose mm-hmm. to look out the left side of the window while I'm driving, and it's dark and stormy, but the right side is bright and sunny, mm-hmm. and it's a gorgeous day. Or if you even see the darkest storm, you say to yourself, well, those, the fields are being renewed. Yeah. It's yeah. about how you, you interpret the information. You have such a great outlook. Like, I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think of that. Um, it's the end of the yang. I mean, you can't understand happiness unless you've had grief yeah. and sorrow. You can't, true happiness cannot be really discovered. So you have to, both things are important. And that's one of the things I love when you look at our, the founding of this country, the Constitution. You know, people are the light, you know, guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness you yeah. know and if you look at those in that order they build upon each other you can't you must first have your life be guaranteed and yeah. then secondarily liberty but liberty without your life you can't do that and then pursuit of happiness means like uh, uh, you, you need to go and get it because there's nothing more I there's nothing more satisfying on this planet than doing it yourself yes and being proud of yourself and not having stuff just plop in your lap yep. you know it doesn't matter if it's mowing the grass or building a corporation or whatever sure. you're doing it's there's no better feeling and that self-worth is worth more than the paycheck you yeah know? and it'll force you to live your life a certain way and that's where it kind of comes back to exactly the point you were just making happiness is a choice so yeah. it's on how you want to approach that day you know i mean there's so many things that go wrong in the bottling line or mechanical things and i sometimes i get hot under the collar because i think i just fixed this thing i don't want to deal with it again but at the end of the day or at the end of that moment, even you have to make that snap decision of, okay, this happened. Yeah. Me losing it is not going to change the fact that something happened. My goal is to move forward. So let's focus on that. Because hmm. anything else is not worth that moment in your life. And yeah. when it comes to the beer and people come through, and it seems like you know we're sitting with a, a drum circle and a djembe and a peace pipe or whatever else, but I, I like to say to people that I think, you know, that the only important question you can ever ask or answer about beer is simply, did you like it? Hmm. And we see every keg that leaves our building or every pint that's poured as a contract, personal contract between myself and my crew and, and you, the customer. Because yeah. you're, let's so say you have a pint in front of you right now, right? So yeah. you're going to spend the next 20 minutes with me. We're having this interview. That's fine. If we weren't, you're, you and I are having a second conversation with that beer. Sure. And if I'm not enhancing your existence with my daily work, then I'm doing something severely wrong. Hmm. So, I, you know, I've... Uh, lost too many people in my life to ever discount a single day so yeah we take that to heart in what we do and, and if, if we were putting siding on a house or digging ditches or or whatever it is or making beer it doesn't matter what we're doing i mean sure. that's that's the people we've surrounded ourselves with kind of think that same way and yeah and it's motivating to work around people like that i think it's it's a lot easier to maintain that attitude uh, in customer service work a lot of people don't like customer service they uh, they don't like dealing with people or whatever. I, I recently had a job where I was um, working for a vending company uh, in their vault. It was just a giant room, windowless <laughs> room. It was a vault, uh, locked. It was me and one other person, and mm-hmm. I was literally counting $1 bills and, and uh, quarters. And, and then the side praying that the other guy didn't eat burritos last night? Pretty much. <laughs> Actually, I have, I have a story about that where like I, one day I, I realized I had to fart, and, and as soon as I realized that, I also had to sneeze. And that was so terrifying. Terrifying. There's nothing more I'm terrifying the than being in a, a small, enclosed room 
with yeah. one other person and having to sneeze and fart at the same time. <laughs> you have to claim it. There's no yeah, denying exactly. it. Exactly. That's um, the worst part. It's like airplane stuff. Yeah. You know? So I was doing that and I hated it. I, and, and like, because I felt like I was doing something for a corporation, not doing something for mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. Um, it might as well have been socks on a conveyor belt, but I wasn't, um, I want my job to be, I want to help people, even if that means pouring them a drink at the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then also human inter- interaction for me is huge. Like I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to stand in front of a coin counting machine and dump yeah. quarters in it all day. So yeah, but yeah. You know, and every person is wired different. That's that's the beauty of it too. And that's one of the things I really enjoy here at the brewery is is getting to meet so many different people and mm-hmm. and the way that the different uh, roles are playing in our company. So you know, the guys who are helping me brew now, people who help come in during packaging day. Um, the gentleman and, and his wife who are just over here, that's our welder. Okay. It's one of the top 100 welders in the nation. I mean, hmm. if you look at his list of accomplishments, I've gone to visit him. He, he does stuff for, uh, like, strike fighters. Sure. He does little welder. I mean, he, the guy's a, a genius. Yeah. Freaking genius. And he, he lives here now in Cottage Grove, you know, and huh. meeting that kind of person and seeing how he operates. But then back to the point of, like, the employees and seeing how everybody's specialty, you know, we, we don't want to ever try to fit you know, a square peg into a round hole around here. We're always trying to understand people, their motivations, their skill set. Yeah. And we can better match them to work that's gratifying because if they're going to be happy and they feel, you know, gratified in the work that they're doing, fulfilled, then, you know, their work's going to be impeccable and awesome. And Absolutely. You, you never have to kick them in the butt or anything. You could just got to, like, try to keep up. Yeah. You know, so I, I really enjoyed that, too. And, and everybody's wired differently. And, and there's some days I love talking to people, too. Mm-hmm. I love sharing stories. I love getting people to... I love motivating people to live a better existence and sure. get rid of all the dark baggage they might be carrying in their heart, you know, like just get rid of that. It's not even worth, you know, yeah. if you can give people a zap like that real quick, you know, and just kind of touch them. That's one of the favorite things for me is to like motivate people, move people. So that's fun. I yeah. love that. I love working with really great people. And then, but there's certain days where I love nothing more than to put in an audio book in my ears, <laughs> sit back in the brewery and just fix something or work on something very intricate and craft something for six hours I don't even want to be talked to yeah and then we have and so I'm, I'm very kind of bipolar in that where I kind of go across the whole spectrum depending upon my day and my mood which is really where brewing got to me I was in medicine before this yeah I was, I was yeah, gonna ask got I was me. gonna ask you how uh, so I with every guest I do a little bit of cyber stalking uh, right. so like yeah. I, I google your name I find you on Facebook and uh on Facebook, you know, it said that you studied uh, sports medicine and athletic training. Uh, you got it, yeah. And I was going to ask, how does how does one go from <clears throat> from studying that, yeah, uh, to operating a brewery? Where so, how does that happen? <laughs> You're telling me about your the, the three minute stories, the true story. Yeah, yeah. Competition. So here's my true story. Well, sure. I, I have a lot of them. There's a lot of aspects about me that I think. Are pretty weird or whatever but well this anyways, is the story slam podcast so we're open to stories there you go so the the, the first story that's uh like easy it's almost like a you can almost you could probably turn it into a haiku at this moment someone's <laughs> more uh uh more talented at pros than myself would probably turn into a good haiku but it basically uh the, the quick and dirty is i've never homebrewed but here i am a professional brewer brew yeah master, yeah know? um uh went to um uh uw green bay grew up in appleton we all grew up in appleton all the Owners, obviously, like I said, one's my brother, sure, uh, Alec, and then Alex, uh, my brother Zach, and then my younger brother Alex and him have been best friends since they were two inches tall, whatever you want to call it, they, since they were little kids. And so Alex has always been around in my life, so it's kind of my brother by blood, my brother by choice yeah. over there. And um, 
you know, they were, they're much more business-oriented. They run the other half. Uh, for myself, uh, we all grew up in Appleton, went to undergrad at UW-Green Bay, did pre-med there, and uh, like biology, chemistry, psychology. Uh, turns out uh, 3.0 does not get you into med school <laughs> or dental school yeah. or PT school yeah. or basically anything. Uh, but it, uh, that plus a great score on my, my grad, my, um, there's like a graduate school it's like the LSAT type of thing, but it's just for, for general graduate school. Sure. You know, or it's like the MCAT or whatever. You know, it's like a standardized thing. Scored fairly well on that. And between those two things, I, I found a um, – I had done student voluntary – volunteer athletic training at UW-Green Bay mm-hmm. for the last year and a half or more that I was there. And I'd been an athlete before that, so I'd been very much exposed to sports medicine. My best friend's father was uh, – um, was an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. He's fixed my knee and my shoulder, you know. <laughs> so uh, there was a lot of that in the athletics and the medicine. I wanted to do medicine, and I was a trainer. And then I found this program in Montana, in Billings, Montana, that mm-hmm. uh, ma- an entry-level master's for uh, athletic training, for specifically for athletic training. I usually just say sports medicine yeah. so that people, they think athletic training, they think I work in Gold's Gym or something. Yeah. I'm like, no, I was the sports person who had to see spine people on the football field until the That's meat right. wagon could show up, you know, and take them to the hospital. Yeah. But I also tape ankles and ice baths and I'm, yeah, sometimes you run water out to the football players, you know, and yeah. whatever. It's all part of, it's actually a really cool profession. Very. I have a few friends profession. who do it and they love it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so while I was in grad school, uh, one of my buddies who was a year behind me in the same program, he got mm-hmm. a summer job working at a local brewery. Okay. You know, Billings, 100,000 people, 130,000 people. Had a couple breweries, stellar brewers there, man. I mean, really, Montana is like one of the greatest beer states in the United States. I feel like, uh, not to discredit that or disagree, I, I think every state is so good. Like, every state I go to and I'm like, okay, where, where's the craft breweries that yeah. I need to go to? What, what beer do I need to buy at the store? Yeah. There's never been a disappointment. So. I, I, there's very there's a lot of truth in that, and Montana's had it going for. In fact, there was many many years that Montana just simply had more breweries than sure. Wisconsin. Yeah, for many years, and then but then they had more breweries per capita. They held that title for a long time. But you're tra- I I also make the reference to the number of medals and awards and stuff. In fact, the, oh, one sure. of the local brew pubs right there, the Montana Brewing Company, there's just a brew pub. They won best brew pub in the country at the GABF a couple of times. Yeah. And they have a whole wall of GABF medals. Sure. Uh, one of my best, uh, uh, one of my very, very good friends, very good friend of mine, he, uh, Mike Yurick, who was my first brewmaster, mm-hmm. who hired me at Yellowstone and then left to open his own brewery a couple blocks away. He's won GABF medals. The brewery cool. I worked at won GABF medals. I mean, there are so many award-winning beers coming out of Montana. It's just the sleep, yeah. sleeper state for craft I'll beer. I'll have to look check it out because I, like, I, I couldn't name any. Uh, yeah, off, off the top of my head. Yeah, like Flathead Brewing, Kettle House, Big Sky Brewing. You probably see Moose Drool. Oh, I yeah, I love yeah, Moose so, Drool. Yeah, so that's probably Moose Drool. I would say is one of Big Sky's like middle of the road beers. I don't want to yeah. say like so so as it's degrading because it's a delicious brown ale. Yeah, but they make so many other great beers on top of it. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, there's Lewis and Clark and and uh, 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 Red Lodge Ales, one of my favorite places. Um, Yellowstone Valley Brewing, Carter's, Angry Hanks, Himmelburgers. It's just, I mean, the list just goes on. <laughs> so you got hired at this brewery. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, no, so, it's okay. so my buddy's working on the bottling line, and then there was this other dude working on the bottling line, and he was kind of a hippie type of guy who is now one of my greatest friends. I've got, after that, I got to know him, but it, before I knew him, he 
he didn't show up once or twice or something was happening and so they just kind of fired him and they hired he brought me in real quick to do some part-time labor yeah on the bottling line that's where i started and uh uh i kind of was just part-time finished my degree um i i had a job lined up in green bay that i thought was just about a slam dunk and things fell through for athletic training yeah so i stayed in the brewery and over the years i just couldn't get an athletic training job and i just kind of worked my way up to the top until I was like the only guy left and then I, they let me take on the full brewmaster title mm-hmm. and I was doing all the maintenance and I just kind of ran the thing with a part-time another part-time assistant guy and uh, did that for I was with them for six and a half years Wow! and we helped uh, we opened a second location in town I helped install that whole brewery set it up and get it going uh, another uh, brewery some good friends now uh, Pawpaw Brewing Company out in Pawpaw Michigan mm-hmm. uh, it was through a through my in-laws uh, a contact through their business but they hooked me up with them and they eventually they, they called me and asked if I could help them kind of do the final push and get their doors open sure since I kind of had that professional brewing experience I could give them just some advice and help them kind of get across the finish line and they're they're doing kick ass now so we had all that we had all that stuff going on, all that experience like that, and uh, I really wanted to, well, I was actually trying to go back to physician assistant school because hmm. I, I loved brewing, I loved what I was doing, but I wasn't making enough money or had enough benefits at the company I was with to actually be able to take care of my family. So now, like, sure. that kind of meets, now we kind of almost come full circle to my wife and my family, yeah. you yeah. know, and here I am wanting to marry this this young, excellent woman, and... Um, and feeling like I couldn't provide for her, and we hey, were going to have a future. I started to have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and sure. um, I thought, oh, you know, let's go back to physician assistant school. I I still really loved medicine. I still love medicine to this day. Yeah. So I was applying back to PA school. I got waitlisted. Hmm. Um, so that just didn't come through. You know, I just really felt like maybe the Lord was pushing me right into brewing, and it got to the point too where I was like still vacillating over whether I should then go work for my in-laws or open up our own brewery. Yeah. And my wife kind of looked at me and just said, what do you need, a friggin' billboard sign? I mean, there's so many signs <laughs> around here about exactly what you should be doing with your life, Ryan. Are you stupid? Yeah. And that was really one of my major wake-up moments. So Zach and Alex have always wanted to own their own place. They're very successful in what they had done before, previous to this. Very successful. Very uh, very intelligent, capable people. And uh, and uh, so their their uh, skill set is the business management. Hmm. But they were always looking for something to capitalize on for the product, the manufacturing. We're like, what were, what were they going to actually do? And so here I was, um, kind of itchy to either have my own place as a as a brewery. And, sure. and, and since I had helped run this brewery from top to bottom, from ordering to production to everything, I had a pretty good idea of what it takes. I, yeah, I had enough knowledge to get us in trouble. You know, basically, <laughs> I mean, Zach and I were just enough joking. knowledge to need some more help. <laughs> exactly. Zach and I were just joking this morning. Uh, it, you know looking back at where we were two years ago sure and what we've gone through in the last two years i mean we had one of the most comprehensive business plans that the banks have ever seen when we were trying to get funding they all were saying you guys have more better numbers and calculations and sheets you have more information here than current like ongoing 20 a 20 year old business trying to get a loan you got more ideas here and you know a tighter idea and and so we had all these you know grand plans for that which really helped us I mean, it did help us, it's not, yeah. but I mean, for any business, you basically throw it in the garbage when you're done because sure. real life hits, you know, it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> the best laid plans. Exactly. It was it uh, Muhammad Ali or whatever said, you know, um, everybody has a great plan until you, until you get hit, you know, like until that yeah. first, someone lands a punch on you, you know, like yeah. first time you get hit, like the, all your plans are done. You got to react sure. and survive. 
So this has been a wonderful, wonderful trip. So they wanted to open a place. Here I was, wanted to leave. Uh, we found out that uh, discovered Ale. We're doing a whole bunch of research on on what city to go, where to go. Yeah. Um, so nineteen ninety four, the highways. Mm-hmm. They come together just west of Madison, right? Yep. They come back together three and a half miles outside of Billings, okay, where I was living. Yeah. So I would always come through and visit my brother in Madison. He's been living here for a decade. Sure. So I would always, when we were visiting, no matter if it was summer or winter or whatever, coming from Billings, we'd hit Madison first, stay here. So we got to really fall in love with the city, my wife and I. And uh, uh, um, we discovered that Ale Asylum was going to be doing their expansion. And yep. uh, so I just cold called auto uh and and i out of the blue and basically said i heard you guys are expanding uh i'm sure you're gonna be selling your equipment right he sure said, he's yeah i said uh and if i'm not mistaken i think you lease your place currently correct yes and i said uh now i know i'm just this dude on the other end of the phone <laughs> 1200 miles away you don't know me from charlie yeah and i said but i'm a professional brewer from wisconsin is my home state. I want to open up our own brewery. Uh, what if you know we took care of things on the side with our lease, and as far as whatever equipment you guys wanted to sell, we just came to an agreement. We cut you a check, and you just left it in place. Yeah. You walk away from the place. We'll take care of everything else. Sure. You know? And uh, you know, after many months of discussions and trying to you know get the deal put together and everything kind of buttoned up. I mean, that's basically what happened. We we met with them. We came out here. We visited. We discussed all the stuff. We bought their stuff. Yeah, they um they were very very kind to me. Everybody over there has been stellar. Um, they answered all of our questions, all the time, trying to get our business getting open. And then, the you know the cream on top is that we didn't get really going till October. That's mm-hmm. when our lease started for the place. My wife and I moved back here uh, late August of 2012, and they let me for their for their next six weeks of production. They let me jump in on bottling runs okay. and walk around as much as I need to, ask questions. They just kind of gave me full access to what was going on, and I have to thank them so much for that because yeah. not only is there all of their crew let me get in their way and, and they answered all my questions, but uh, you know they made me feel at home. So we Do got you to still understand. feel like a, a partnership with them like a, a, or, or a deep relationship? Do you there's, know what I mean? Yeah, there is certainly a connection. There's, yeah. cer- there's certainly a connection. We don't always get to visit as, as often as we were when we were first starting off. Sure. With, going back and forth and asking questions but um yeah i mean there's days where we'll just say like screw it let's just go over to ale sound for lunch or the uh we'll just sometimes grab a six pack when we first started bottling whatever else and we try to or the last time we just grabbed a growler yeah and just brought some just went over there just to say hi to everybody yeah and it sounds really cool that they were just kind of they just kind of opened their doors and like yeah come come on in like i I can imagine a lot of businesses would just be like, uh, no, like you're going to be competition, so no, <laughs> you know. Yeah, what I mean? and, and a lot of people ha- would, would say that too, and of course, you know, my parents and, and a lot of other people would would bring up the, that same kind of point too. And and Dean and I always believed in one of the same things, which was Dean said, no, what I need you to do, Ryan, when you open, I need you guys to be an awesome brewery. Yeah, I'm like, you know, even though we're a mile apart from each other right now, I need you to be a great brewery because it does not help me yeah. if you guys suck. Because we want to try to be like, you know, the, a beer corridor out in here. So yeah. to make a destination way out on the east side, you got to have two good places right next to each other. That yeah. draws people over. I, you know, with, with the podcast and uh, the events we do, I always say good storytelling breeds good storytelling. And I think in this case, good 
beer mm-hmm. brews good beer. Like I mean, yeah. if if you're a good brewery, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot more good breweries around you, and like yeah. that's what this sounds like. Yeah, and sometimes you'd say competition at this point in time, and I would say. I don't know, maybe 20 years down the road when everything's really oversaturated and tight, then it's cutthroat, or I don't know what the future yeah. holds. I don't yeah. think so because craft beer is only 7%. Sure. But the market's still, you know, there's still a lot of growth to happen. It's in the, so in the funny that it's 7% industry. of the market, but it's yeah. 100% the best stuff out there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Do I you know never, what I mean? I've never heard it put that way, and it's poetic. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, so, so I, I don't see that Ailes Island as competition. I see them as inspiration. Yeah. I, we do different things as, as breweries. Yep. We have totally different styles. There are similarities in some ways. Other ways, we're very, very different. Yeah. But I love being inspired by some of the beers they brew or to see what they're doing or if they're doing something exciting. In that. And, and not that it inspires me to do the same thing, but it inspires me, it inspires me to, to push my envelope. Yeah, you know, to make to say, you know what, I, I think I can be exciting too. Like, what, what haven't I tried yet? What haven't I thought about? Let's let's make something fun too. Sure. And, and it's just kind of feeding off of good energy. Yeah. Really. So you said something. Uh, you've actually several times since we started talking said things that have made me want to ask this next next question. I've said poop many times. Haven't I? <laughs> haven't I? But uh, <laughs> no. But um, specifically in that last story, you said you felt like the Lord was mm-hmm. pushing you. And I wanted to ask a few times, are you religious? Absolutely, yeah. How, how yeah. religious are you? Practicing Catholic. All right. Yeah, we have a big family too. My brother has yeah. uh, eight kids. The, you talked a, a few times about, um, like the other time I thought of it, you, you were talking about your employees and getting the garbage out of their heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who don't, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor. My grandpa's mm-hmm. a pastor. Um, people who are not religious don't talk that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not about the heart. It's about the mind. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, growing up in Wisconsin, and, and especially Catholic, I was non-denominational. My mm-hmm. dad grew up Lutheran. But growing up Catholic in Wisconsin, beer is very much a part of that. Uh, you know, the, the uh, like I grew up in some prairie, and I remember Sacred Hearts would have their festival every year with a huge beer tent in their parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was coming from, non-denominational, beer was not a big part of church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically frowned upon. And I just wonder, it, like, for you growing up Catholic, was that, was beer frowned upon, or was it, like, uh, a part of your life? Uh, neither. I mean, there was a touch of alcoholism throughout my family. Sure. On, on both sides. I mean, nothing serious or anything that I really knew about until I was much older, you know? It wasn't like there was somebody who was constantly... You know, really horrible. There were just a few issues here and there, but um, that's one of the the funny stories. Um, uh, first, uh, uh, something kind of hit me too when you said, you know, talking about focusing on the mind, yeah, and not the heart. And 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 I think even as a non, even from like a an agnostic uh, perspective, yeah, I think there's a even in psychology, there's a, there's a clear delineation between the, the mind and the heart, and maybe perhaps they talk about it as the ego and the superego or the subconscious. Yeah. You know, I, I recognize my subconscious as my as my heart or my soul. Sure. You know, and and my heart and my mind are, are a little bit more than two sides of the same coin. It's almost like uh, Siamese twins, or I, I want to say that they're two best friends. Absolutely. And... And so one can get the other in trouble pretty quick. Yeah. You know, like if, if the one friend's drunk, I get the mind drunk one night. 
then he kind of like talks my heart into doing something that I know I shouldn't do or yeah. you know is not good for my heart. You know, or, you know, like that part of me. Yeah. Those two things they can go with each other in either direction. So mm-hmm. if I keep the garbage out of my heart, it helps keep the garbage out of my mind. If I keep the garbage out of my mind, it keeps the garbage out of my heart. Yeah. You know, so the two work in tandem with Absolutely. each other. And, and so it's hard to speak of one without speaking about the other, although you can recognize them as different, mm-hmm. certainly different things. Because I challenge myself. I've, I've, I have a master's in science and a bachelor's in science. I've done a lot of, a lot of what we do here is based in science. And I, I deal a lot in logic and reason yeah. and physics. Yeah. And there's often times where my heart and my mind have wonderful conversations about you know the beginning of the universe i mean i i i uh like over thanksgiving i was watching um this thing on the large hadron collider mm-hmm. about uh they did like a small documentary uh when it was just about to be turned on and when it was turned on when they when they discovered the higgs boson and they yep. were able to measure its its mass and different things so I'm, I'm a total geek about that i've been watching a lot of uh uh neil De, uh, is it neil degrasse tyson yeah I, he had this series. He did the inexplicable cosmos and stuff. I mean, hmm. I love that stuff. And yeah. I just watched Interstellar the other week. Blew my friggin' mind. I haven't seen it yet. Oh my god! It's like <laughs> one of the most profound movies I've watched in a long time. Yeah. And and I mean, it was a great story that really tugged at my heart. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, just caught caught you in the heart as a as a father and as a family person. But, but also the uh, the physics sure. of the movie was oh, I just can't wait to go back and watch it uh, three four five six times. <laughs> so yeah, so so even if a person listens to their heart, it doesn't mean that they stop listening to their mind. Yeah, it just means that there's different applications for things in life. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to follow your heart. Sometimes you gotta fo- you gotta listen to your mind, or or you need you need your mind to temper your heart. You need your heart to soften your mind. Yeah, you know the two. It's kind of like my my, you, my wife kind of does that to me. You know, she reminds me of the things that are important, and then I can help her remind things of the important that we you know help balance each other. Yeah, you so. don't sound Catholic to me. I, and I and I promise you, I'm very. I, it's Catholic just and, yeah. so you know. I grew yeah. up uh, in a non denominational church. Dad was a pastor. Grandpa was a pastor who started a Christian school here in town that mm-hmm. I went to. And it was never, I, I never felt this from my dad, but in the school, it was never like overtly said Catholics are the enemy, but that was sort of the vibe that you got because like it was at least it's us and them. Yeah. It's Protestants and them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up with this kind of attitude, not attitude, I, just the idea in my mind that Catholics are wrong. It's wrong yeah. to be Catholic. Yeah. And it wasn't till probably my senior year, maybe junior year of high school, and I was like, I met some really awesome Catholic people yeah. who are not the enemy, and I was like, why? Why did? Why do Protestants and uh, non-denominational people put that vibe out there? Yeah. Uh, but hearing you talk, you don't sound Catholic to me, and I think I think part of what it is is that um, I think a lot of Catholics tend to sound robotic about you know this is what we believe and. There's a there's a certain roboticism to it, and like you sound very fluid and very, um, I just I think just fluid. Like yeah. I I think a lot of it is probably you've probably had a pretty awesome life experience so far, and I think that really has like for, from a total outsider's uh, view, yeah. I I feel like it's probably influenced a lot of uh, what you kind of think and believe and how you interact with people. I've it uh, it's been a wonderful life. That's also. <laughs> We've had our fair share of uh, of tragedy in yeah. my family, and you know, uh, my uh, my parents 
they um you know they lost two children my my sure. son's named after my oldest brother who passed away who I never got to know he was yeah. the oldest and uh and um uh my other brother who my first nephew's named after and my oldest brother who's still living he was very close to that brother and I mean there's that stuff but then also there was a great pastor growing up uh, mm-hmm. Father Michael Rourke and he tragically had an accident while hmm. I was in grad school sure slipped and fell on the ice in the middle of the night going on a call or coming back from a midnight call at the hospital or something yeah. like that slipped and fell hit his head and he passed away and that was one of the most tragic things I mean I haven't even seen him in years because I've been living in Montana but it's still to this, this day just shakes me and yeah. so it's uh, my, it always comes back to a couple things one when my eldest brother Christopher died my dad told me the story very recently um, he was saying that uh, when he passed he talked to the sister who was at the hospital in the chapel he was trying to figure out what the hell he was going to do with himself Yeah. and she said well John this is where the rubber meets the road hmm. either you believe or you don't yeah. I don't think a lot of people today they just when stuff gets hard they just throw everything else away and yeah. they forget that the whole point of faith is like the same thing you do for marriage vows and you know for sure. better or worse it's yeah. not about and, and when it comes to people who screw up different facets of Christianity or any mm-hmm. religion whatever it is I, I always think of God wants religious fruits not religious nuts and yeah. I think that the, the best trick Satan can ever play, play on us is to turn us Christians on each other yeah. for petty shit that doesn't even matter absolutely it doesn't mean anything does that have to do with like the base teachings of what the hell we're supposed to be focusing on you know yeah. it doesn't so, like, that's if you can recognize that as the greatest trick that ever is played, then then sure. And beyond the different uh, bits of religion, I always think that the analogy that's been formed in my head all the time is that faith is a pure. If you can think of a pure substance, a pure liquid, yeah. right? I mean, uh, what would you think of uh, uh, like for water? If you had purified water, no minerals, it's pure H two O. That's sure. it, right? Yep. This most pure. Holy substance. Humans are rusty buckets. <laughs> yeah. Right? You pour this pure substance in this rusty bucket and it becomes tainted. Yeah. Is it the liquid's fault or is, or is the bucket's fault for <laughs> screwing it up? That's, right? Yeah. I mean, that's as simple as it is. And once you can just get your head around that fact of like, are you going to blame all that stuff on God or all the people who are fallible because we're human? Huh. And it's the fact that we are human, that we can make those mistakes, is also the greatest gift that we have. We're not supposed to be automatons. Yeah. Otherwise, love doesn't exist. Because yeah. love is more than a choice. Love is a verb. It's yeah. something that must be done and practiced and rechosen and practiced and done. So if... It, Preach. Like, yeah, right. Honestly, Don't get them, son. No, I'm, but that's, that's the whole point, is that our free will, our ability to choose our destiny, yeah. good versus evil, to delineate, to look at things logically, and then both with our mind and our heart, yeah. and listen to the things that we know are good in our heart, mm-hmm. and temper that with things that make sense in our mind, and, choose, and then also incorporate the teachings, you know, not the people who are fallible or screwed up or who want to have their own thing, because, you know... God's agenda is is the best one to be in line with because you know what yeah. his agenda is? I love you. I want you to be happy and I want you to know yeah. that I love you and want you to be happy First because John you're going to reciprocate. First you know? John 4 eight is my f- favorite Bible verse. It says, anyone who does not know love cannot know God because God is love. Yeah. And I love that. Like, yeah. Love is a huge part of my faith. Uh, I had a friend recently ask me, why do you still believe? Uh, you know, I, he's, He told me he, he's never really 
he grew up Christian and just kind of never felt anything. And, and I said, you know, if anything, even if it's not true, I just feel, how, how awesome is it to be just love? Like, I mean, just, even if I end up dying and, and nothing happens, like, I can't look back and be regretful that I chose to love people. Um, and you don't love, you don't take those actions out of fear exactly, of yeah. God saying you didn't love enough. It's not even like that. It's, it's like uh, God's given you these skills, yeah, these talents. Yeah. And he just, and, and, and he's not going to, I don't think he's going to sit there and complete judgment and say like, oh, you did 80% of what I figured you could have done with those skill sets. Yeah. He's going to know what's I in like your heart. I like your God voice, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. <laughs> He smokes, he smokes yeah. a lot, but he's got. A, he's, he's a good guy. He's a plumber from New York. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he, yeah, he's just so. Uh, yeah. But I don't think that's. I don't think that's how it's gonna happen. It's. It's. You know when you're making your parents proud. You know when you're making yourself proud. Yeah. You you understand those things at your very core. Your soul your soul knows those things. So when you can show up. To judgment, I, and I, I look at like my my life, and I'm gonna have to talk to God about it, and, I'm, yeah. and I'll be like, okay, you, you, I prayed to you a lot. I wanted to be in medicine. And I said, please get me in medicine school. How many times? Yeah. I, I want a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he said, I don't need you to do medicine of the body, Ryan. I need you to do medicine for the soul. Yeah. I need you. To, I, need, I have a different purpose for you. And yeah. when I finally said, okay, I'll just, I'll just go, I'll just stand where you're telling me to stand, and then make sure I never waste those resources yeah. because that's what I'm going to have to answer for. Yeah. I'll know if I piss those things away. Yeah. It's going to be like a face to face with God. He's going to look, he's, all he has to do is kind of look at me and, and if I can look him in the eye yeah. and, and say like, I know I gave it my answer. I know I made a lot of mistakes. Sure. But I tried. The part where I get nervous is where uh, you'll have to answer for every idle word. Uh, basically any word that did not serve a purpose uh, like when I say shit and it's like I don't, want, I don't want to have to answer for the many, many times I've said shit. Uh, uh, I'm screwed then because I got brewery mouth. <laughs> exactly, it's yeah. bad. No, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. You know, yeah. it, I say that you don't sound like a Catholic, and I don't want to say anything to offend you or any that Catholics out no, there. No, that doesn't bother me. Well, least, I'm, I'm prefacing yeah. uh, for what I'm about to say. I think, uh, you know, like I said, my wife's family is very Catholic, uh, and my wife and I, uh, Ashley and I, have talked a lot about... Um, the difference between uh, being Catholic and not being Catholic, but still being Christian. Um, and I have said to her, I think where I have a problem, and I hate to see, say the word even problem, but where I see a problem with Catholicism is that a lot of times it encourages laziness in your faith. Because I have friends who are Catholic who their attitude is, well, I can go do whatever I want and then go to confession and say four Hail Marys and six Our Fathers and I'm okay. And then for the next week I can do whatever the hell I want yeah. and then go do this and just be okay. And I don't yeah. hear that from you. Like I hear real faith. Like the way that you talk about God, um, I don't hear a lot of my Catholic friends talking that way about God. I think it's, it's uh, you know, a scripture doesn't say like if you live by the sword you'll be judged by the sword or you die yeah. by the sword. It's that same thing though. If I think it's the same thing with the rusty bucket analogy. Sure. If, if, if you're a Catholic that's going to live upon the technicalities yeah. of Catholicism, that yeah. you can live this thing, and then you can do your act of contrition, you'll be forgiven. Yeah. I think that's how you're going to be judged. I think God's going to say, if that's how you approach my love for you and you treat me, 
then I'm going to judge you upon technicality. Man. That's how your judgment's going to happen. And somebody else who lives their life, because God knows what's in your heart. He made you. He knows yeah. you. He yeah. already knows you. So, you know, I think I think it's just going to come right back at you. It's whatever you plan for yourself, whatever you whatever seeds you sowed yeah. is what you're going to reap. Absolutely. So I, I admit to God the first thing when I'm praying is I thank him for everything, first and foremost. The second yeah. thing is I say I'm sorry where I screw up. I hope that you can just make me a better person or yeah. whatever, a better father, a better husband. And, and I'll say I, we both know where my mistakes are, where my faults are, my character. So please help me in those sure. areas because I don't want to be that way anymore. So, you know, that's the other thing with reconciliation, too, is that if um, there is a true act of contrition, yeah. you, have, you have to be sorry. There's a part at the end of confession, though, mm-hmm. where they ask you, do you reject these things? Will you never do them again? Yeah. And it's your answer that is the, the point of forgiveness. It's not the four Hail Marys. The, yeah. the, the act afterwards is something that's supposed to be meditation. It's not the four Hail Marys that gains you grace. Yeah. It's you truly in your heart saying, I turn from this. I do not want this. I make I a 180 I, and walk the other yeah. way. Yeah. And so it's if you stick to that. Yeah. That's you making a promise. You're signing a contract saying, I don't want to do this ever again. Yeah. And if I choose to do so, I'm in breach of that contract. So that's where some people are going to miss out. And maybe they haven't had people explain it to them that way. Yeah. Or if they understand or grasp that. But you're going to be judged by the way that you treated everything else. Yeah. Do you see that? Um, I, we don't have to talk about church this whole time. but It's fine. I, it's cool. Hey, I love it. I love it, too. Yeah. So I just <laughs> I know that there are people I'm listening. Here, I'm here because of God. So I, And, yeah, I know that people will be like, oh, this is a, a, brewer, in, a brewer in Madison. Yeah. There's no way. This guy's yeah. got to be atheist. And I'd be like, you know what? I, I do everything out of the love that God puts in my heart. Yeah. I don't have to go blasting everybody's face. Um I take there's uh, I, I understand that different people believe different things or have different faith journeys or sure. no journey whatever it is and so I don't come out and bar from people's face because I don't think that you know warfare in that sense spiritual warfare in that sense really gains you ground because yeah. like we just been talking about that four letter word <laughs> love is like how do you truly approach somebody how do you truly show God's love for somebody else yeah. by listening and empathizing and trying to approach them in the way that they're going to receive, that they want to receive or don't want to receive, whatever it is. But that's that's the love part. Yeah. The other way isn't going to like earn love or even get them to understand love. Yeah. I you know, um, growing up, my whole life I've known people who went out to do street evangelism, and and their idea of street evangelism is to go out and hand out tracts or you know try try and tell them about Jesus and blah blah blah. And it doesn't work. I, I don't think street evangelism works because um, I had a, a kind of a mentor tell me once um, uh, he owns the Princeton Club and he said, nobody wants to hear what you have to say until they know that you want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> and I was like, totally. <laughs> and like, why doesn't that apply yeah. to Christians when they're trying to uh, evangelize or anything? Um, but then I think it also goes back to uh, that Bible verse I brought up, uh, God is love. Uh, anyone who does not know love cannot know God because God is love. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're witnessing to somebody who doesn't know love, it, it's pointless to witness to them because mm-hmm. they cannot, I mean, the Bible says cannot know God. Mm-hmm. So I really, I think um, as a believer and as a man of faith, my call is to love people that they might know God. It's not to shove God down their throat and tell them they're going to hell. It's to, hey, you know what? I don't smoke, and I don't think you should either, mm-hmm. but if 
me buying you a pack of cigarettes is going to help you get through the day, and that's what you need to be shown love, mm-hmm. and then you might find God. I'm going to do it. It's kind of about being, what we're really talking about is authenticity. Yeah. Are you going to believe I'm a craft brewer if you see me back there with, like, crappy beer? Or you see me trying to get cheap and, you know, do it. Like, you're not going to believe that I'm passionate about what we're doing. Yeah. If we're not being passionate about what we're doing. It's sure. about being honest and authentic about whatever it is that you're pursuing, whether it's trying to get people to understand Christianity or any kind of faith, whatever it is, you know? I mean, for instance, I, I, I was confirmed at 17. I took confirmation, and, and uh, you know, I strongly believe... I went to Catholic school up through eighth grade, then public school and high school and everything else, and I had a wonderful experience both ways. Got a great educational foundation up yeah. in Appleton. All kinds of cool stuff. So here's my other true story, you know? I did all of that, grew up in a Catholic family, loving Catholic family, great parish, active, cool stuff, right? Yeah. All good to go. And I believe what it really took my best friend's cousin when we met up with them in Sturgis at the motorcycle rally in the Black Hills of North Dakota, <laughs> right, or South Dakota. We're out there at this, uh, at this place, like, uh, you know, of, like this campground of debauchery. And yeah. all, I mean, there's people riding around on motorcycles around the campsite having sex on the motorcycle and sure. all this crazy crap's going on. We're sitting fireside, and he witnessed me to Jesus and put me on the spot. And, 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 and that was like the first true moment that I, as like a conscious individual, said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, God, and Savior. And it was because I was sitting there with so much emotional baggage thinking about, I'm not good enough. And he's like, Ryan, what's your problem? Yeah. Why is it you don't think you're good enough? He loves you. And it was, so it was this witnessing moment. Yeah. You know, uh, it's back in like ni- 1999, you know? Sure. So great, strong foundational faith. But it took this personal loving moment, a very unassuming. Yeah. And you know, I think, I, like, I think that's what I hear you know, in I you is that you had, because I don't, I, I think a lot of Catholic people don't have that moment. They they just grow up with, uh, like what you said, the technicality part of it. Like mm-hmm. you te- technically to be Catholic, you have to do this, and like they just that's all they know, um, or at least a lot of the Catholic people I know, that's all they know, and they never have that really personal moment. Mm-hmm. They never make their faith personal. It's not. It's just this thing. You, you know. See, I feel like sometimes those folks though, they're people in a room with the lights off. Sure. And there's a surprise party if they would just turn the damn light switch on. Yeah, absolutely. Like the easiest thing that they normally would do walking into a room if they would simply do it instead yeah. of being in that room and say, this room is dark and sucks and boring and I hate it and I leave. I'm going to leave. Be like, it's, it's right there. It's right there. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and but everybody has to have their own journey and understand it in their own way. Yeah. And, and, and that's really where you can't, you, I mean, you have to call evil evil. You can't yeah. be relative about things, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but beyond that, you have to, uh, let people have their space sure. and you, and, 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 sh- and like you just said, you just show them love, lead, lead them to where you want them to go to show them, yeah. produce it. And if they're curious about it, if God puts that curiosity in their heart for a moment, mm-hmm. then just know what, just listen to your heart or is like, what do you, if it comes to it, you need to talk about something important. He'll, you know, he'll give you the words. Yeah. I, me- I remember very clearly. So this is like medicine of the mind and heart. You know, the true story. There was a, 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 a gentleman, uh, a United States Marine Corps veteran from uh, his tour was in Vietnam. Yeah. He was on, uh, uh, I don't know if it was force recon or his unit got specifically taxed, ta- uh, tasked to do recon missions. Mm-hmm. So they would often go out as a six-man team for a couple weeks at a time in the deep jungle. And he 
still to that day had two marriages that failed. He couldn't sleep, was having night terror still since he got back because of certain things where he told me this one time there was like an eight-year-old boy running towards him and mm. he had to shoot the kid because he knew he was wired with grenades. Yeah. And it was either lose his whole unit or he had to put... And then the, the thought that has stuck with him and destroyed Ugh. his life. Yeah. And there was a moment that him and I were talking about it and... I remember we would kind of touch on it on and off, you know, and, and, and wouldn't get too deep. Many, t- many times I'd be bartending. I always bartended one time, one day a week at the last brewery, right? Yeah. So one night he comes in, and, you know, kind of in the background of my mind, I was like, Lord, if it, can you help this guy, please? Can yeah. you just give him some solace? And I remember he and I got talking about the same thing, and there, there was something I was saying to him that just weren't even my words. I just was saying stuff that needed to be said. And Yeah. It kind of hit him very profoundly. He broke down in tears, and he thanked me, and he kind of left. He's like, I got to go home. I didn't see him for three, four weeks. He came back, and he said, whatever was in me is gone. Yeah. I, I've slept for the first time in 30 years. Awesome. I, I You know, like, I've, his whole life was starting to turn around, and, was, and he's like, thank you. I was like, dude, that's not me. That, huh. was, that was not me. That's, yeah. I'm just trying to listen and be – I'm just trying to stand where I'm told to be to sure. stand. Yep. And I just trust that I'm – you know, but I – and at the same time, I'm not dumb and blind. My <laughs> eyes are open and I'm, yeah. you know, doing yeah. normal stuff. It's just when you get moved, you just kind of give in and you just be like, this isn't about me. Yeah. If you pray for faith, you pray for to show love, then it's not about you. It's about you getting your butt where it needs to be. That's right. Because the Lord wants to get more sheep in his flock. He wants to, people not to, like – bolster his flock he wants those people to simply know that they're loved yeah that if no matter what else has happened in their life they are loved yeah it doesn't matter how deep it's done how dark again it is. Preach, they, those man. people are there's someone out there there's a thing out there it's called god he's right there he's he loves you yeah and if somebody who claims to be a christian has screwed up a lot in your life that's because they're a rusty bucket it's not because god was a rusty fluid <laughs> i like it it's not his fault i know? like that a lot um, do you do you have time still? We usually go for about an hour and a half. I got plenty. Yeah. Okay. All right. So enough. Enough religion. I, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> Me too. I really, I could. Um. So I told you. Um, well, first of all, I'm drinking Fantasy Factory, mm-hmm. uh, which is. Would you say that's what you're most popular for here? Yeah. And do you think that's just Sorry, because I'm of Ruben over here? Oh, that's okay. Um, do you think right now that has that always been the case? No. Um, it's just right now that that's what you're bot- bottling, so that's what's most popular. Yeah, and it kicked it into high gear. So <clears throat> we're much more of a malt-centric brewery, brewery, uh, brewery. and that um, not meaning that we don't know how to play with hops, because obviously we do. When you're our fifty over fifty percent of what we're brewing right now is Fantasy Factory IPA. Yeah. So yeah. We know what we're doing with hops, but that just means even in that beer, there's very special attention paid to the malt profile. Sure. The malt flavors, the depth of the character of the malt. So we pay special attention to that, and a lot of our other beers that aren't so hoppy are very, very malt-driven, very malt-forward. So um, our original idea was to have these flagship five and then have a rotating IPA depending upon the season. Okay. Uh, So the black IPA, Silk Scorpion. which is making its return here pretty soon, in a couple of weeks, uh, being brewed today actually. Uh, but uh, it was the first IPA we had since we launched in winter. Yeah. Then that summertime, I brought out Fantasy Factory, um, brought out our IPA. I thought that would be great for a, a nice spring summer IPA. And then I wanted to do something a little more, kind of English malt bomb, toffee sweet kind of IPA for the for fall time. Sure. 
uh, the response to Fantasy Factor when it came out was uh, was uh, we, I mean we were selling a good amount of beer before too, and people were really like, oh, this you know this best porter I've ever had, and then, you know this Irish Red is awesome too, and this and that, and they were really into it, into what we were doing. But then all of a sudden we, they just it seemed like we blew people's mind, and I was couldn't yeah. be more happy uh, to have, to have done so. Uh, with an IPA, so when it came out, we just couldn't stop brewing it. It was selling pretty darn well, and uh, and then we got better and better at what we were doing with it. We ended up changing the yeast strain for all of our pale ales. Sure, made it nice and dry and crisp on that, and uh, just got even better. And then, and we sold a pretty good amount. It was still there was still a pretty decent balance to our portfolio because that's that's one of our biggest things we want to promote as K four is we don't want to be Fantasy Factory Brewing Company. Yeah, you know. Um, just like with uh, Fat Tire happened to New Belgium. You sure. Know? Yep. So, and New um, Belgium has so many great, so much great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of good stuff. Right? Yeah. And most, you're right. Most people will be like, "Oh, Fat Tire." Exactly. Oh, oh and so, or uh, Fat Tire Brewing Company. <laughs> it's, no, or it's New like um, uh, uh, New Glarus yeah. uh, with Spotted yeah. Cow. Spotted Cow Brewing Company. Like, no, New Glarus actually makes excellent IPAs. Way like, better cheer. beer than Spotted Cow ever will yeah. be. And yeah. then, and like, well, Dan set off. Spotted Cow was not going to be the one. That's not what they set off to do. It didn't set off to have that be to build a back on that. Yeah, that just became this big thing. And and um, uh, Bill from the Bill Rogers from the Malt House, he he said wisely, of course. Uh, you know, during one of the first times I ever met him, he said, "Well, you know, in the end, uh, you don't get to choose which beer you brew." Yeah. And uh, huh. And and to a, and to an extent, that's very correct. I yeah. mean. Um, I can brew whatever I want, you know, but <laughs> if one beer is certainly selling and taking you to the moon, you build your company on it and yeah. it allows you to do other things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's true of any company. I'd, like, yeah. Apple would have been a fool if they had not built their company on the iPod 12 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you strike while the iron's hot, you roll with it, and then you work hard to let people know that that's not the sum total of who you are. And so we work very closely with our distributor who who understands what we're trying to do when we say, you know, when we're out talking to to accounts, hey, we're a portfolio brewery. So what we want, we don't want our distributor necessarily, the sales guy to walk in and just know that everyone's going to buy Fantasy Factory and just kind of drop it on people. Yeah. I would rather that the sales rep get to know, you know, their different retailers and to say, hey, um, are you guys more of an amber type of place? Would, sure. Would our Irish Red work better in this bar or this restaurant? If that's what's going to go, if that's what best serves their clientele, that's what we prefer that they have. Okay. We don't want to make a sale just for the sale. We want people, like, it's, it goes back to speaking to the very beginning of our conversation. I, I, want, I want our company then to serve a purpose for that retailer. Mm-hmm. I want them to be proud of that. I want them to be truly serving their customer because they, they'll know their customer more than we do. So... However, we can help them do that is the purpose of what we're trying to do. Yeah. So that being said, the first beer we bottled was Fantasy Factory. Yeah. Um, and, and and then everybody immediately went nuts. ran out of it. Yeah. Well, everybody went nuts, and then every liquor store in town you couldn't find it. Yeah. I, well, even to the point here where um, we were going through three to four kegs of Fantasy Factory a week. Yeah. And in the tap room, and we bring bottles out. The next week we're going through seven. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Wow. And part of that internally, we were, we were kind of laughing or, you know, maybe it's that anxiety, you know, psychopathic laugh where you're like, <laughs> because uh, uh, 
we were working so hard to try to get different parts of our business to blow up and really be on their own and sure. take it to the next level. And we tried everything and we we're kind of like, oh, you feel like you're screaming to yourself inside a racquetball court. And then all of a sudden, everyone went nuts for Fantasy Factory. And you kind of had a chuckle for a second saying, you know, this has been available for well over a year. We've been trying to sell it. <laughs> but, but it didn't like, have that yeah. fancy packaging. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, that's, and it's cool. And that's, if, that's, if that's what it took and that's the path we took, good. Because we had to scrape and scramble and learn the hard way. And, and there's no better way to, uh, to know what you're doing yeah. you know, uh, than to really just grind through it. Because you understand all the facets. Just like this bottling line over here is from 1974, the filling head right by us. Mm -hmm. We had one of the main bushings completely seize. We had wow. to do a complete teardown. 15 grand. Ugh. Complete teardown of the machine. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were in there for days in yeah. the grease. We had to bring in a specialist. I mean, it was hard. But I'll tell you what. I can work on any part of that machine right now. When something goes wrong and we're doing our first bottling run, I got eight people standing here. We're all paying, you know, everybody's looking at you and I'm like, I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Just give me 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing more, um, you know, valuable than that. So, so FF, as soon as we brought out in bottles, it really went up. Everybody wanted it on draft too. So that's been spectacular. So most of our efforts have been trained on trying to provide as much as we can without losing the rest of our portfolio. Sure. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, we're going to try to respond exactly to as much FF as we can brew. We're going to brew. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the cases are flying off the shelf. I never expected a response like this, and I am so humbled by it. Yeah. I am so proud of, of, of what we've done um, as a team here uh, from top to bottom. And uh, so the first time we bottled, I think it was like 270 cases is mm -hmm. what we yielded. We had a lot of broken bottles the first run day. Sure. It was horrible, almost 20% loss. It was, oh my it was a freaking disaster. Yeah. It's, I remember in the first 20 minutes, we must have had at least 100 broken bottles back in the filling head do alone. You, do and you I, at that point, are you like, shut it down? Like, uh, we're losing all this money. <laughs> oh, there was moments where I was about to say that because... Not too long before, somebody was asking Zach and I, like, you know, in the future, would you want to have, you know, if you expanded someday, would you want this big bottling line or canning line? And I was like, eh, we're both maybe like cans. We're thinking imperial pint cans, you know, and this. And then about 10 minutes into the first run, there was broken bottles everywhere, and I was <laughs> freaking out. And I went behind the machine, and I went, hey, Zach. Across from me, he's like, whoa. I said, cans. cans. Definitely cans. <laughs> <laughs> Within 10 minutes, I was like, I do not want to deal with because I'd, I'd done bottling on a much smaller machine, much smaller sure. scale at the last brewery. It was nothing like this. Yeah. This one, I mean, this thing can crank out 75 bottles a minute. Yeah. And which is great because you can knock out a lot of beer in a small amount of time. The problem is when a small mistake happens, it creates yeah, a large sure, problem sure. within seconds. Yeah. I mean, as you're running the filling head and the crowner doesn't want to feed crowns, you are only ever about three seconds from complete disaster. Okay. And so, like, if the crown feeder, if one crown gets stuck and doesn't feed crowns in, You'll have a whole six pack of bottles, perfect fills, come out with no crowns on them. Yeah. In a matter of a second, and you and you have to, you have to dump them. You lose it. You dump it, and you have to refill the bottle. So Man. like you just lose, lose, lose. So it's it's hair raising. But um. But on bottling day, how many people you got in there? Seven, seven, eight. All right, so not, around not there. a ton. It's it's my um. I'm usually so at this point in time. I'm I'm running the the filling machine. Yeah. Itself. Uh. uh uh, another guy is back working the depalletizer. Jeff has normally been doing it right now, our, our, our brewer. Um, um, he's been normally doing the depal. I'm, I'm working the, the, the fill head. My brother is working the labeling machine, which is from 1951. Yeah. You know, um, and then there's two people packing the six packs. Another person. So the six packs are fully enclosed, 
things. So what we've been able to do is your keep, packaging. Uh, the the picture aside, your packaging is so awesome. Thank like, you. I love thank that you. it's fully enclosed. We uh, scrapped probably three different versions of it before really? we arrived where we wanted to go. Yeah. yeah. We and we and we're really happy with where it's at. Packaging is. I I don't know if a lot of people outside of like business businesses that package stuff know this but like the average consumer may not recognize this for themselves packaging is such a huge determining factor oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. in what I'm going to purchase like if I yeah. see if I see a product that has poor packaging and poor packaging design I'm like yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend money on that we've had people well and we had the design we had a couple different designs just visually for it for the art we we Started over a couple different times. Then we saw that image that's on there right now. And we yeah. thought, okay, everything else we've worked on is in the garbage. We're just going to go this way. <laughs> and we've had a lot of messages from people saying, I bought the six-pack because of the outside. I didn't even know who you were. I have tons now of I like favorite Carnivore. beers that I, I bought purely based on, oh, the bottle has this on yeah. it, and that looks awesome. And our goal was that not only did we want an awesome image that would make us feel happy every time we looked at it and proud yeah. of what we did every time we looked at it, but our our gamble, even my uh, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he was saying, I noticed that you basically don't have a logo on the big sides of the box. Yeah. And we had a big dis, uh, discussion about should we be a little more corporate and try to incorporate logo, or is it more important to us that we try to provide an experience for the consumer? When you sure. look at that picture, we want to have an emotional response and connection such that you laugh or you feel good, you feel yeah. cool, yeah. you know, and that's why you'll buy it. And guess what? Elsewhere on the box and on the bottle and the bottle cap, yeah, you, there's carbon four. Yep. But it's more important that this is serving this, like, feeling of this is enhancing your existence. Yeah. It's just beer. It's just liquid. Just beer. But there's something on a different level that it can really strike an iron with. Absolutely. And that's the important part. And maybe you won't agree with me. I feel like you will. I think that's part of the You're reason. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the reason uh, it has flown off the shelves like it has. Yeah. Like, not only is it great beer, um, but the experience of, uh, it's weird to say the experience of having that packaging. Like, but it, it really is. Like, that, that image that's on there is just so smile inducing that people can't, like, you see that and you smile like, well, I have to, I have to buy this, mm -hmm. if only to drink it all and then frame it and put it up in my living room. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just such a great picture. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have really responded to that, and like, yeah, liquor stores get it, and then it's gone. Yeah, it, it's gone that day. We've heard that. So the first, like I was saying, the first run was like two hundred seventy-five cases. The next one was over three hundred. The next one was high three hundreds. The next one was over for like four hundred fifty. Yeah. The day before Thanksgiving, we did three hundred ninety. Um, and what's been happening is we're just keeping it inside Madison at first with just our Madison distributor. We work with General Beverage, and we have them in both Madison and Milwaukee. So sure. Milwaukee's like, yeah, whenever we can get six-pack, we love them. We said, okay, you know, we're going to get to you, but our first commitment's to Madison. Yeah. And what's been happening is uh, the entire run, no matter how big it is, it shows up to market on Monday. It's gone by Tuesday. Yeah. Sometimes there's, like, stragglers here and there to Wednesday, Thursday, but nothing's lasted even a week. But for the most part, it's it's gone. And that's... I, I mean, it's, I told my friend oh, today. It's such a cool thing, man. I I'm so humbled by it. Yeah. And I'm just, we're just grateful, and we're going to, and that, and it puts the onus right back on us to consistently and constantly deliver not only that, but better versions of it, or, or the next thing we're, we're trying to up our game because we don't want to become stagnant. We want to keep giving more. Yeah. Well, when, when you emailed me today and said, let's do this, 
I texted my friend. I said, so I'm going to Carbon 4 to do this. It is my goal to leave with at least a six-pack of it. But then I heard you, or maybe it wasn't you. I think it was somebody else said, you guys don't even have six-packs six of it here right No, it's now. gone. It's gone. Yeah, we don't. Man. We keep we keep like the short fills. And granted, there was a holiday weekend, and everybody kind of snagged a six-pack here and there for holiday stuff. Yeah. But then some of our, you know, uh, short fills we can use, you know, for samples when we're talking to retailers. But basically... The machine's pretty efficient when we can run it really well. There's not too many short fills in sure. the first place, but we ship the entirety of whatever we brew. Yeah, we just whatever we can make, we give to the distributor. It's gone. Yeah. So we don't. And one time they even came back to us and we're like, "Oh, what do you guys keep back?" And we're like, "We give you everything. It's like it's all 100 percent." Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we're not holding back on anybody That's there. Interesting. So so yeah. I mean, I'm gonna try. I'll, we can go take a look. I, I maybe there's a bottle in there, but Could I. Be. But I know the other day we think we gave away the last like three six packs that we had or yeah. something. It's just gone. That's and that's so cool. It's a good and problem like, to have. Congratulations uh, on thank that. You. Like that's thank so you. cool. What do you think? Um, I find that uh, IPAs are huge right now. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I think because. Hmm. Let me think here. Because, because I mean, uh, so I'm twenty. <laughs> you ever get to this point? In your life where you're like, I'm... T- uh, Somebody asked me yesterday. I couldn't uh, tell them how... I was like, I'm at the point where I don't... I'm like low 30s somewhere. Yeah, I got to do the math. I'm 27, so... And I didn't, I didn't... I had maybe a sip or maybe a full drink before I was 21. Like at 20, though. Yeah, yeah. My first real beer was at 21 on my yeah. 21st birthday. Um, and I hated beer. Yeah. Couldn't stand the bitterness of it. Yeah. Um, one of the first drinks I ever had... This was the first beer I ever had. And it was at 20. Uh, was a uh, Scottish ale at uh, uh, the Great Dane. Yeah. Hated it. Tasted like soy sauce to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when I turned 21, like, I would drink a lot of really light beers. Uh, I loved uh, Liney's Honey Vice. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then really only within like, the last two years, I love the bitterness of an IPA. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, so does everybody else. And mm-hmm. I just wonder where does that come from? Where all yeah. of the it, like, I mean, is it just the big breweries got together and like we're going to push IPAs or what? No, that's it's it's absolutely a response to the market. Yeah, I mean, craft brewing is the biggest, uh, probably the, one of the easiest examples of uh, of you know uh, maybe even capitalism. You know, of yeah. of just uh, the market forces, the market response. Of course, you know, we do marketing and we try to, you know, blow certain things up. But really, a lot of brewers, they just, they, you know, in the end, they brew what becomes popular, you know. And if there's something in their portfolio, like, it just takes off, you just support it. Yeah. And I, I, maybe I would say that um, out of all the styles available, there's nothing inside a single style category that has as many variations. Sure. You know, uh, and... and IPA is the most subjective beer style that there is. Yeah. Because what one person acclaims to be the nectar straight from God, someone else says, meh, yeah. or not yep. happy enough, or I wanted this. So some people get very subjective about it, and I say, awesome. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to brew. And the end, that, that, like one of our... One of the things I, I try to do as the brewmaster and, and you know, when we, when we were first getting going was, you know, beer itself is very, is subjective. You know, it, it, it's beauty is in the eye of the beer holder, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. really. So what, what can I do? 
as as a brewer. I, I have to search inside myself for my standards. Sure. I have to look for things that motivate me, inspire me, try to bring those things to life, brew the beer that I think should exist, and if, and, and, and then the beer has to meet my standards. Hmm. And if I'm crafting fine ales and fine beers, following suit with that, there's always going to be people who love it, yeah. are indifferent, or hate it. Sure. So the best thing I can do is try to stay true to my own compass. So in the end, like Fantasy Factor was the IPA I've been always looking for that just I didn't feel existed. Yeah. Whether it was like, there's things that are very similar that I very much enjoy, but it's in the minutia when it comes down to that. But there's, you know, with the varieties of hops too, there's so many things from deep citrus and this citrus and floral and this and that. And there's so many different characteristics that are very uh, poignant, that are very uh, out there. You know, some hops are just an explosion of this or this, you know, so uh, it's not a subtle beer to drink. And then yeah. everybody seems to find the style that they like or a version of it that they appreciate. But uh, I don't know. I, you know, recently, too, I was, I was ooh, those are the microphone over there. Hello, testing. <laughs> testing. Um, I was thinking this the other day too. I wonder. I love the citrusy stuff over here. I want. I kind of want to brew liquid candy when I think of IPAs, you sure. know. And I think, uh, is this my way of having a manly girly drink? You know, <laughs> or it's like I want like something sweet that doesn't taste. I don't want anything that tastes like boozy. I yeah. don't want to feel like I'm getting drunk. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> all that kind of like foo foo drinks like that. I th- maybe this is like a man's way of, of doing that because Could we're be. still so going after the same fruity. Yeah. flavors and sweet and candy but we're like but it's beer and yeah. I and I drink it with a with a beard you know yeah, exactly so like they get it lets us get away with it I don't know what it is so. um, are you a liquor drinker at all scotch and gin scotch I hate I, gin oh I love gin but gin gin is dichotomous it's very uh, it's polarizing if you will it's uh, either yeah. people love it or hate it and usually I would say 90% of the hate it is I got really drunk on it one time and barfed my brains out can't stand it I just uh Tastes like a. It tastes like I'm chewing on a Christmas tree, and I hate that. You have. You do have to find the drink, the, the mix. No, the well, even the mix certainly, okay. absolutely, but the right gin. Sure. My uh, some of my favorites that I would put out there for people who are on the fence about gin, or you need to come back to gin in a way that you can like it. Yeah, Hendrix. Okay, out of Scotland, they actually hmm. have two different stills: a pot still and a columnar still. And in the one, they use cucumber, and the other one, they infuse rose hips. Hmm. And they blend it back to that. And when you have it, it's not that big old pine. It's much more floral, and it has all these awesome tones. Yeah. And then I think um, the best way to have gin, for me, yeah. is uh, gin and ginger ale. Huh. But it has to be Canada Dry. I've you tried other, but gin and that, ginger ale. Just the, because I know what both taste like, you know? Yeah. That, that sounds like it'd actually be pretty good. Gin and ginger ale, a little squeeze of lime. Okay. And if you want to get crazy about it and it's the summertime, use uh, frozen strawberries or frozen fruit instead of ice cubes to cool your drink. Yeah. And then you eat the fruit at the end and it's all got some gin in it and it's got the ginger and all. Yeah. That's like, that's the way to have it for me. Yeah. I can get into into dangerous territory with it. I have a friend who is, uh, they do, um, I don't know, they're like, they work for a distributor and they go around giving out bottles to say, okay, now you want to buy this from us and stock it in your place. What, what, What is that called? That job. I mean, that's a job. It's that's their sales. That's the sales. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. So sales rep. Sales, sales rep. rep. Yeah. That, that's there what it. Uh, liquor rep. Liquor rep. That's what he is. Yep. And uh, he had some extra death's door gin. Like oh, this that's good huge stuff. thing of death door. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you want he this? He had a backpack full he's, of it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, here you go. And I was like, 
No, thanks. No, I took it because it was. <laughs> what are you saying? No, it was free my stuff used from to work death's at door. You know, my brother used to work at Subway back in high school, and one day he brought home a gallon jug of A1 sauce, and we <laughs> loved A1. Yeah, and probably that much that we wanted a gallon jug, but sorry, it was like it was free. And sure. Like, okay, I just put it in the cabinet. That's too funny. And then he told me later on he took it to college, and he um, was drunk one night, and. Uh, some uh, one of the football players chugged the gallon. <laughs> it was maybe a half a gallon left, but he was drawing and he drank the gallon of A1 sauce. So good for him. Um, I I tend to stay away from liquor for the most part. Um, I had a bad night where I drank an entire thing of Jack Daniels. Oh boy! This was four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I was super depressed, and, and like depressed drinking is never the good kind of drinking, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I vowed to never drink whiskey again. I, I haven't stuck to it, but... I got that similar thing. I was a uh, very dark place living in Bozeman for six months, and I was in a dark place personally. And uh, end of the year party with some friends, yeah. and uh, I, got, I, I drank one of the little smaller flasks of Jack. I pounded the whole thing. That's the only time I've ever been blackout drunk where I... There's, Big yeah. chunks of the night. I don't remember. I woke up with bloody knuckles. And people were like, you were tossing kegs and breaking stuff with your hands. I was like, oh, man. And I woke up. Somebody woke me up. I was in my blazer. It was like, still so cold out because you're in the mountains, you know? Yeah. In Montana. But I, I just turned my blazer on for heat, and I reclined the chair, and I fell asleep <laughs> in it. And somebody got me out of it at like 5 in the morning. And then I woke up on the couch a couple hours later. And was, yeah. No, I've never no done that since. That was the worst night of my life, and I've never done it. I've never repeated it. I never got close. I, I never uh, even drank beer until I was working in a brewery. Really? I mean, I, well, I mean, I drink, you know, a little bit here and there, but I never, I could never really, I don't like really getting drunk. Yeah. I'm a cheap date, number one, so, but I, I'm not like a beer pong champion or anything like sure. that. I'm not like a chugger or wasn't a big partier in college, but, you know. I, I'm a giant, so uh, very early on in my drinking career, as, <laughs> which is not a great thing to call it, but yeah. I, I found that I could drink a lot and not... <laughs> Uh, so I just drank this whole bottle of Jack. I moved to Minnesota because I was, I was depressed and lonely here in Wisconsin. And I moved to Minnesota to get away from my problems. Thinking, you made it worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. That made it worse. 100 times worse. The only worst thing you could have done is, oh, I'm going to get crucified. But I'll, I'll be said this with a caveat afterwards. I was born in Illinois. And all my about, Same I think here. the worst born thing you could have done, the only thing worse than moving to Minnesota would be moving to Illinois. Uh, parts of it, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I was really depressed one night, drank this whole thing, woke up again, uh, same as you, the only time I've ever been blackout drunk. Um, and it wasn't a little bottle, it was the big bottle of oh Jack. Oh, my God. And uh, woke up, I was living in my grandparents' house at the time because they were living in, in uh, California. Woke up in the master bathroom, walked walked out into my bedroom and then out into the hallway and I was sharing there was another couple living at the house and they were upstairs in the TV room and I walked down the hallway and got right to the point where if I had taken one more step I would have been looking at them and I got to that point and I stopped and I looked down and I was just totally naked (laughs) (laughs) and I went oh I'm naked and and I went back to the room and uh, moved back home there's that heart and mind moment right that's right I I moved back to Wisconsin the next day and I was like I am depressed I need to be around family I gotta get out of here yeah this is not good and then like uh, later that summer maybe a month later we were having a party at my friend's house and that night is known as beer tears because I (laughs) I drank a 30 pack of Milwaukee's best light oh my god uh, which is basically just beer-flavored water. I hope you had a whole bunch of Metamucil earlier that day. Oh, man, it was tied up. It, it was bad. And uh, By the way, this is one of my most favorite things in the world. 
What's that? To my three o'clock, your nine o'clock. Yeah. There's a young mother with her baby, and that I we love. I love this place being a family place. That's and awesome. People brought their kids in. My 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 son runs around here. He loves spraying the hose back there. He loves walking around, and we want to be about that. We want to be. Yeah. We want to promote what drinking or, or beer really should be, which is social lubrication. It's bringing people together. It's an excuse to gather and make It's new not members. about what we've just been talking yeah. about, the getting hammered. It's the, and It's the antithesis, exactly. You know, inebriation, yeah. maybe that happens along the way, but that's never the destination. Yeah. And it shouldn't be the point. No. If that's the point of your journey in that moment, you have a deeper issue you're trying to deal with. Yeah. But this right here, I've had people with like multiple kids and stuff, and I remember I made it always make a point to walk up to them and say, Thank you for being here. I hope you feel welcome. They're like, oh, is it okay with my kids? I said, yeah. You bring more kids, man. Absolutely. This is a family place. I think you're right. Uh, getting drunk should not, inebriation should not be the point. I, I feel inebriation be, should pretty much always be an accident. Absolutely. Well, I mean, even even scripture, I mean, we're talking spiritual before, but yeah. was Jesus' first miracle? The wedding yeah. of Cana. Yep. Water to wine. Yep. You know, I mean, that... The, the, the fact that fermentation can actually happen in such a way that it's happy to us is just like Ben Franklin's old quote, you know, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> I mean, this is like the natural process. This isn't a man-made induced chemical process. This is real. This is natural as yeah. it can possibly be. And the fact yep. that it brings people together is my is my favorite part, man. I love these little families that Absolutely. kids sit in there. And I love That's that Wisconsin part. is that kind of place. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually really think uh, uh, Madison specifically mm-hmm. is that kind mm-hmm. of place where it's like, yeah, we took our two-year-old out yeah. to the bar, and, and who cares? What better way to show your children how to be responsible Absolutely. Than, than to be responsible? Than to li- it's like just what we spoke about before with spiritual stuff. Is you're living that. You're living that truth. It's like you can enjoy this and not become an ass, not become drunk, yep. not become stupid, but you're simply enjoying life. Yep. And sharing time with people you love. And it's like that. If you show your children that, that's what they're going to learn. Yeah. My kid learns more from me watching. His little eyes are always on me. And it's just like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm screwed up. I don't want to mess. <laughs> and he listens to my words, but he's watching what sure. I do. Yeah. You know, more than anything else. So this Absolutely. is like, that's the point. Bring your kid. Bring your kids in. Yeah. And then don't get hammered drunk. And don't get hammered drunk. Don't don't bring leave your kids at home if your plan is to get hammered drunk. Yeah, if it's a bachelor party, it's a different story. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we're coming up on an hour and a half. Uh, so there's just a couple questions I wanted to get to. Sure. Uh, um, this is Madison Story Slam, and so I always like to ask, uh, what do you think your best story is? And it could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about anything we talked about so far. Uh, it could be about your great uncle Larry, who gave you fireworks. I I got so many good stories. Uh, so my life's been so blessed to the good, and and even some of my favorite stories are stories where really bad stuff happened to me. Sure. But it's fun to make fun of myself. I, I well, you I, know I find that to be a really, again I I said this a couple times, a Wisconsin thing, or at least a Midwestern thing, yeah. where oh this is the best story I have. And I, it, it was hell when it happened. It was the worst yeah. thing ever. But I, it's a great story. Well, I grew up in uh, doing Boy Scouts. Yeah. Um, an Eagle Scout or whatever. And along, we were a, more of a high adventure type of troop. We always got out and backpacked all the time and did a lot of cool stuff like that. And so there's many trips where I'm a big clumsy oaf. And there's things where we're getting out of a canoe. And one of my very best friends like tipped me out of a canoe. We're in the <laughs> middle of the wilderness up north. Or where we were climbing a... I had to climb up the side of this hill, and it wasn't that bad. But it was a pretty steep incline. It was loose soil, and I was in this really heavy pack, and it was 
I was everything was adjusted wrong, and I felt like I was gonna fall to my death backwards, and my scoutmaster had to come back down. Yeah. I'm 16, and he's got to take my backpack off and carry it up the hill, and everyone's made fun of me for it ever since. So <laughs> that's when I wish I, because now the best story will come to me probably tomorrow. Sure. Right. Yeah. So uh, well, you know, I it's it's I understand it's a lot of pressure to put somebody on the spot and say, "What's your best story?" Yeah, well, I, well, it's even more than that. That like I think I'm gonna tell the wrong one. I just have so many good ones. <laughs> I want I want to tell them all. So it's trying yeah. to pick out the one that you can spend time on talking about. Well, you know, you could come to Story Slam sometime and, and share a story. I should. I should do that. Yeah, I should definitely do that. So I uh, there's a lot of stories of me. I used to get like car sick and stuff when sure. I was young, and I, there's always stories about me puking and like pulling up to a campsite and I'd open the door and like out the door and I'd be like, all right, let's party, we're good. <laughs> uh, but one of my favorite stories is actually. The one I always tell it stays very clear in my mind is when my one of my other best friends puked. Uh, I have about four or five best friends. We've known each other since grade school. Yeah. A lot of us even went to college together. It was like Saved by the Bell, basically. And this is the best bunch of dudes you'll ever know in your life. I hope your college experience was better than Saved by the Bell the college years. It was. It was. Called. Even without uh, Bob Golick as our RA, it was, it was still pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, we were at Famous State. We had... Uh, one summer break after yeah. we're all 21. We're all home. We decided to go golfing in Appleton. I think at Chaska or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, So we all hit up Famous Dave's beforehand as a, as a team. We said, hey, let's go to like the American Family Meal. We'll just split it real quick. We'll all be so happy. Is that the one that's served on like a garbage plate exactly. or garbage lid? Yeah. yeah. And it would feed four or five of us like yeah. hungry dudes. No problem, right? Yeah. So... We're getting that going, and then we order a pitcher of beer, so we all kind of had a beer, and right about, we're getting really close to tea time, and my buddy, the waitress comes, she said, do you want another pitcher or whatever, Austin Murrow? No, we're okay. My one buddy just says, yeah, we'll take it. And then, <laughs> so we're looking at him, we're like, wait, dude, we, we, we got to be go. out of here in like 10 minutes. We have to be gone. Yeah. We're about ready to pay our check. We need to be gone, buddy. And he can he can eat a lot. I love I love this guy, man. Yeah. He's awesome, dude. And... uh. So he pounds. We be, the pitcher shows up and we're all stuffed and we're like, "Dude, I'm not helping you." And and he's like, he always has to get his money's worth. So he he drinks the whole pitcher after eating, you know, half a chicken and ribs Yikes. and all this stuff, right? And uh, and you can just see him packing this thing in. And by the time we actually walk out the front door, his face is green. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine alabaster white, sweating. We're walking in the car and he's like, oh, oh, "I don't feel so good." <laughs> Yeah, I bet you don't, because you just ate half a chicken, and you just drank 500 ounces of beer, you dumbass. And then, yeah. And uh, he gets to the kid, or to the car, and there's this whole kerfuffle that happens, and then all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, and he just, <laughs> I don't know if he went to burp or whatever happened, but his body just said, all right, we're at 110% capacity, and I'll accept 100%, but yeah. not 100 So the 10% came, Ugh. and he barfed on the ground outside in the famous day's parking lot, and there was just still chicken it was just it wasn't gross it was just like beer foam and chicken and my favorite part about the story it wasn't the fact that we were laughing and almost peed ourselves yeah because of laughing at him and he's like oh i feel so much better and it was just like oh really dummy and uh that that itself was intensely hilarious my favorite part right as we're backing out of our stall this family minivan pulls up right next to us and i thought I thought all I could think of was this family driving up and like, oh, we're so hungry. We're going to go to Famous Dave's and we're going to pig out. And the first thing they <laughs> see. <laughs> Jump out of their car and step in a pile of beer and chicken oh. in the parking lot and just ruin it. That's horrible. Oh, it's disgusting. But it, oh. I have a somewhat 
Similar oh, story that is not me. I have a friend uh, who I believe the story is that um, his all the guys in his family were out hunting, uncles, brothers, cousins. Mm-hmm. And they had a tradition where they would go to Famous Dave's afterwards and order two of those, the garbage plate lids, yeah. whatever. For how many dudes? Um, not... I mean, it wasn't 12 people. It, I mean, it was probably like seven or eight people, which is, I mean... That's a that's, strong position. That's doable, but it's still it's, a it's lot of food. That's a lot of food. Um, so they ate all of one and about half of the other. And my friend is probably 14 or 15 at the time, and he's like, we got to finish this. And everybody's like, no, we're stuffed. And he goes, no, 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 we got... We, we gotta finish this. And he goes, "All right, hold on, I'll be right back." And he walks outside and throws up everything that, he, <laughs> that he's just eaten, and comes back and eats the rest. <laughs> like that was his solution. <laughs> he sounds like a he's gonna be a Navy SEAL. He yeah. just sees he's yeah. like, "This is this is a simple black and white solution, man. I'm not I, worried about it. Let's just get it done." I would think, "Hey, let me take all this home and yeah. feed myself for the rest of the week. We'll, we'll finish it for sure over the next two days." <laughs> exactly. Um, That's how we stretch our family dollar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we take those leftovers home. Uh, I ask this of every guest. It started because our first guest was uh, Chris Farley's brother, Tom Farley, who lives here in town. Um, and he, he's an author and does stuff. He's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I started this question with him because of who he is and who he's met and what he's done. I, I told him, I said, I only have one, like, celebrity masturbatory question, like, that I just want to ask just because, and it was, who's the most interesting person in your phone? His answer was Quincy Jones and Adam Sandler and David Spade. Wow. Um, Which, that's awesome. But, so I've decided uh, to ask every guest, who's the most interesting person in your phone? And the, the question or the answer is totally for you, like... It could be your Aunt Mary, who did a really cool thing in the 70s. You know, it, it's, it's who, who do you think is the most, not, you know, who would everybody else think is the most interesting person in your phone? Yeah, I was going to say, like, for a celebrity, it would, you know, for everyone else, like, my, one of my answers would have been Eric Bischoff. <laughs> okay, hold yeah. on. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so he and his wonderful wife, Lori, yeah. live in northern Wyoming. Okay. They came up to Yellowstone. Uh-huh. They've had our beer a bunch of times. They had our beer when I was working there a bunch of times. And he always, he and his family had a brewery down the line. Okay. His grandparent or something. And um, he always wanted to open up his own brewery. So we, he approached us and we did a contract brew for him called Buffalo Bill Cody Rye. Okay. Um, uh, it's a, it was an ale. It's still being produced. Uh, it was sold mostly around Cody, Wyoming. Okay. Uh, where, where they reside. And uh, but they're trying to get other people. So I just in the in the time of uh, of, of working with him for that, you know, he gave uh, his cell at that you know his number at that time. So I, I you know because we were talking about technical stuff and business stuff. Yeah. And I, I tell you, dude, one of the most kind gentlemen. Really. One of were the, you uh, the most uh, um, polite and man, genuine. I, can't, I cannot imagine. I, we're I'm talking not Eric kidding. Bischoff like wrestling. Yes. Eric WWE Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. I'm not. Were he, you a wrestling fan? No, not no. really. I got into it for like a year, my freshman year in college. I was really into the Rock, sure, you know, for a bit, and I kind of got it, whatever. But um, it was something fun to do in my freshman year of college. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, meeting Eric, 
one of the other guys I work with, he was big into it, and he yeah. couldn't even talk around him. Oh. And uh, he couldn't even speak. And uh, But I get to, you know, I didn't get to know Eric, you know, like, I, I couldn't say he's, like, my best friend or anything else, but we certainly spent some time just trying to talk and getting to know each other a little bit here and there. And, sure. And, and mostly about the business and through the beer, you know, and we talked a little bit here and there, but um, he and his wife are both incredibly kind Wow, genuine, I, polite. I can't. I can't say enough about him, man. They were. He was just so down to earth and so cool and and so humble. Yeah, he was really cool, dude. Really that, great guy. That's really awesome. Uh, because I would never. I, I was into wrestling. Uh, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, it was uh, in the heyday of well, in the resurgence, uh, resurgence of WCW, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is you know now hasn't been in in existence for a long time, but. So Eric Bischoff was, I believe, like the president of WCW, yeah. and was a prick. <laughs> like, oh, that's yeah, that's a that's his thing. Yeah, yeah, that that's his persona. He's a heel. I and think, you talk to him about it too, and he's like, yeah, I mean, it's he's like, it's fun. I but it's if not I him. saw it's Eric not Bischoff him. in real life, and like he was trying to talk to me, I'd be like. Oh, Screw you, man! Like <laughs> you got yeah. nothing good to say. Yeah. And actually, you meet him. You talk to him one time, and you want to hug him goodbye. Sure. He's just a solid guy. And I, I remember one time I watched after we met, and then a, and then a couple times later I watched some YouTube videos, and there was the one where he got thrown into the back end of a dumpster. Okay. On WWE, you know. Yeah. And I asked him about that. I was like, "How was it?" He's like, "That friggin' hurt, man." You know, like. <laughs> but he was just—he just told me about this different. He just kind of related, and he was just very humble about it. He doesn't like flaunt. No. Anything is 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 not assuming he was not anything. He's just incredibly polite and Very generous cool. and down to earth. It was it was really cool to meet him. It yeah, was, it was. So that's cool. your answer for anybody else. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, for you, who if sometimes the way I phrase the question is, if you want to call somebody and you know that it's going to be a good conversation, you know it's gonna you're going to learn something. It's going to be interesting. Who are you calling? My one of my best friends, Doctor Zach Myers. Okay, without a doubt. In fact, last night I was had this thought and I was inspired to just write him an email and just say, Hey man, I'm just thankful that you're in my life. He's just a really super cool dude. I I mean, I learned a lot about living patience and humility and everything. I mean, he, I don't think he has a maybe strong faith life. I don't know if he's atheist. We, I mean, we kind of skirted around and talked about it at times and we would talk about stuff and and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, great. You know, I'd be like, you know, God, you know, I want to be like, God's this pure liquid. It's people that kind of screw up and you have to do this. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we never talk about. It. I never asked him, you know, if he believed. You know, we just. Yeah. But but he beyond that would be one of the ultimate examples of a Christian person who always had the time of day for everybody. Sure. Always listened. Always let someone speak before he did. He um, uh, helped me out of a couple of jams, you know, through life. Let me rent a room from his basement, you know, yeah. in his basement when, for like a couple of years while I was trying to get on my feet and like, and when I got married, uh, we basically hung out at his house. Everybody came from out of state into Montana and we all just kind of, we had a kegerator that I built for him and we had his foosball table and we just, he would just give you the shirt off his back without thinking twice. And sure. the, the guy is inspirational and besides that, he's a fantastic physician. Hmm. He's traveled a lot of the world. He's got a lot of cool stories, but he's just, he's, he's, thank you. <laughs> He's he is absolutely hilarious. He's funny. He's one of my closest friends, and uh, um, he was one of a couple of pairs of friends that visited us when we when we moved uh, back to Wisconsin. And um, yeah, man, I, you have to. I mean, to, to answer your question that way, you know, like I could call Zach and we could talk for hours, and it would yeah. just be fun and funny. He uh, 
is a lightning wit. So him and I, it, it, we always throw out really obscure uh, references and always do rack on tour and always verbally sure. jousting and come up with weird things and play on words like dorks and, and we'll do it one week we decided we were going to speak in just German all week I had known some broken German and he knew broken German so we tried to speak in German the whole week yeah you know and the uh, only German I know is the German for di- uh, for uh, constipation <laughs> I don't even know that. it's far from pooping far from pooping yes far from pooping <laughs> I thought it was going to be called <laughs> um, no Matt he is one of the coolest dudes I've ever met in my life and uh just a really cool guy, uh, really good friends with my wife as well, and, uh, and um, yeah, yeah, that's how I'd answer that question. Yeah, it would be it would be Dr. Zach Myers. We tried really hard to get him to move out to Madison. Sure. And uh, well, and we need doctors. Exactly, and he's uh, just an excellent teacher and all kinds of crap. He's just very generous in that. Yeah. yeah. Can't say enough about the guy. He's pretty cool. Very and cool. Uh, he's, all my friends here have met him. He he actually came out for my brother's bachelor party in Vegas, okay. and he does a really great. Um, uh, Ron, Ber- impression? Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy. So we, him and I, always every Halloween or when we were in Vegas, we always do the Shades of Will Ferrell. Where I'll be, mmm, <laughs> Goulet. Hello, Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. <laughs> hey, pal. Better watch it, buddy. So I was old Bob all the time. So I was Bob, and and then he's Ron this Burgundy. This is a really good Robert. Like this is a really good Will Ferrell Robert Goulet impression. Hey, buddy. Have you seen our YouTube videos? No. Yeah, I do a couple Bob Goulet ones on there. Oh, that's for too, our commercials. Yeah, that's too good. Yeah. So he. So that's kind of one of the other one of my other favorite stories is that during my brother's bachelor party, one of the nights we were there, we went to dinner at the Bellagio. Yeah. And we all dressed up in costumes. So we're leaving the Palms. We're coming down to the lobby. My brother, who's six foot two, two twenty five, two thirty, he's wearing this full yellow polka dot clown costume with the nose and the wig and shit, and has a cigar hanging out of his mouth and. And I'm I'm Robert Goulet. He my Zach's he's a uh, Dr. Zach is dressed up as uh, as Ron Burgundy. Everyone's yeah. dressed up and all that stuff. We actually got stopped by security because we were walking through the middle of the casino and we were all in full disguise. Sure. So they thought you know, they had security descended upon us. <laughs> like what are you guys doing? So we were like we're leaving. So we went to the Bellagio for dinner. We we're all a bunch of jackasses at dinner at this like high end buffet. You know, <laughs> we actually this line was almost an hour and a half line wait. One, Dr. Zach he walked up to the concierge and was like, how much money to get all 30 of us in right now? And we walked past the entire line. People are cursing at us That's and all this awesome. stuff. So, it, of course, my brother decides he's gonna, they're going to get married in July. So this is like early July. We're in Vegas, yeah. the desert, if you will. Ugh. Uh, it's, over, it's close to 100 degrees at 1230 midnight. You know, yeah. Oh, dark 30. We're walking from building to building outside in this heat. I'm wearing a decent suit that I have that my wife really wishes I wouldn't wear as my costume suit in this nice three-piece, but it just works great for Bob. Bob loves it, so shut your mouth, honey. Uh, Dr. Zach's in a friggin' wool suit. Yeah, oh my Like a 1970s wool. So this guy, my favorite part about him, excellent physician, he has a costume closet. No. There's a closet in his house that has... This sounds like my kind of guy. Dude, I'm talking about uh, uh, white with shiny gold flecks like a onesie ski suit and pink bunny suits and I, I mean like faces and stuff it's this very secure this is an awesome costume closet so in that costume closet he keeps his wool suit baby blue robin's egg blue yeah so he's walking around turtleneck full wool suit as Ron Burgundy at night and what did we do we stop at a Walgreens because we're all dehydrated we're like losing our, our buzz because we're sweating and trying to recover and we're all getting dehydrated so we, we, we robbed the 
Walgreens to basically have all their water. And what does he buy? He buys a thing of milk. And so we're walking on the sidewalk. And in true fashion, he turns, he seriously goes, in character too, he's like, oh, milk was a bad choice. And he throws up in the, in the trash can oh, on the street. that's too funny. It was perfect. That is too funny. Oh, man. But, yeah. Otherwise, like, the interesting, other interesting people that I'm really coming to understand is, of course, my parents. You yeah. Know? Oh, man. And being a new new parent, the things that I, I finally understand, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how they bury two kids and still are the upbeat, solid sane people they are yeah you know beyond everything else that they've gone through in their life you know my dad losing his father at 14 and all these things you've gone through and they still are the people who they are yeah their story and who they are are awesome and like, i get my sense of humor from my mom so she tells jokes better you're, than you're anybody. very funny so uh, you're very outgoing that's, and funny that's so. because i've spiked your drink over there oh perfect so you just think i'm funny at this point <laughs> Okay, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, anything that you want to quickly promote? I know you've got the, the Black IPA coming out, uh, being re-released again. Yeah, yeah, so promotions would be, right now, is, uh, we've got the Silk Scorpion Black IPA coming back out December 19th, mm-hmm. Friday the 19th. Um, we're going to do... I've seen that movie, think, Friday the 19th. Yeah, it's a great... I mean, it's not part six of the 13th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got the, pretty la- the last Friday the 13th was terrible. It was, like, it was predictable. Yeah. Get, get out of the shower or that you're going to get killed. You're dumb. You're, you're dead. Yeah. And so you, you deserve the- it. That's when you start getting angry at murder movies, yes. horror movies, is when you start getting angry. You're like, yeah, you're going to die. Haven't you seen these movies before? You're going to die. <laughs> like, like do, horror, do slasher movies not exist in the universe of slasher movies? Because if they do, you would know not to do this. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, because then, and then like the fan of it, by part six, you actually start rooting for Jason yeah. yep. and Freddy because you're like, yep. You know what? Kill that bitch because she's stupid. <laughs> you start rooting for her. That's like we've, we've gotten off track of the promotion. So you've got Anyways. Uh, the Black IPA think, coming yeah. out Friday the 19th. Friday the 19th. And I think we're doing um, Proper Joe's with that. Not Slappy Joe. I think we're doing Proper Joe's. We like to do food menus with that. And then um, then we have our Deep Winter Coffee Stout coming out uh, again back in January. Uh, sometime we'll probably do a breakfast all day menu like we did last yeah. year for one. Went really awesome. That was a fun time. And then we'll have our uh, our two-year anniversary party uh, in mid-January. Awesome. Well, cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks for being here. No, thank, thank you for th- coming down and for reaching out to us. I'm glad we could uh, connect. Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, probably so far the most interesting episode. Just I, I like that we touched on religion and, and kind of <laughs> went off on a big rabbit trail there. And, yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So um, We actually had, what's our, like a fun fact since we talk about religion? Yeah. I told my brother, I was like, I, I will not brew on this system unless it's blessed. Oh, really? Yeah, so the, like the, the night before, we were brewing on Saturday morning, Friday night, 7th hour, we finally were able to hook up with Monsignor from St. Patrick's sure. Cathedral. He came down and he blessed the brew house. Very cool. He blessed the brewery, and I was like, I was like, okay, now we can brew. Because I told, I told my brother, I was like, I will not So in, in a way, brew. I'm sort of drinking holy water. I guess so. <laughs> I never thought of it that way after. I probably not curse many times when I'm scrubbing and bang my head on steel stuff. That's but, right. Uh, All right. Well, uh, yeah. Ryan Koga from Carbon 4, thank you so much for being on Madison Story Slam. Um, and I say this to every guest, but I truly mean it. Any other time you want to come on and talk, it would be yeah. a total pleasure and honor. We should do this again. And I, I, yes. I love talking to other people. I really do. I 
thoroughly enjoyed this as well. I think this is like one of the most fun conversations because usually people are trying to always they have their own agenda. Get into beer, beer, beer. Yeah, and this has just been really fun. I never expected to have a good religion conversation. And I, yep. I always kind of you know I I love Madison and there's a lot of diversity of thought and everything else here, but sometimes like you can't speak yeah. your mouth. You know, can't speak what you. Believe There's me, certain I, things you can't talk about. You know, if you yep. believe a certain way, it's like, oh, you just kind of you kind of skirt around it, and you're like, and you kind of feel it out. Like, can yeah. I talk about this yet? Or no, yeah, you that? just kind of shut so, up about it, and, yep. but and you just try to. Li- and maybe that helps me then focus more on my actions and not my words or preaching. You know, but it's fun. Yeah. it's really good every once in a while to just actually have a public conversation Absolutely. about things that are very important to me. Yeah. So. All right. So thank you for tuning in. This is our outro now. Um, just so you know, January 2nd, it's a Friday. We have our next Story Slam. Usually we would be doing that the last Friday of every month. The last Friday in December is the day after Christmas, and nobody's going to be here. Our theme uh, for Story Slam, January 2nd, is scars. That could be a story about how you fell down while you were skateboarding and holding your poodle tiger. And um, I got tons of scars. That's right. Or it could be an emotional scar. Like We do funny stories mostly, but we want to hear your sad stories or your just serious stories. Um, but yeah, come on out to Carbon 4. Uh, we want to hear your human story. That's right, the human stories. Have a beer here. Uh, do you guys serve food? Absolutely, some of the best food. Yeah, we try to make it in-house if we can, source it locally. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and then eat food, drink beer, and uh, as I said in the intro, which I'll actually be recording later, so it might make, not make sense to you, uh, <laughs> go out on uh, Friday the 13th. I think, is that, a, is that a Friday? December 13th, I don't think it's a Friday. And check out uh, Wall of Funk. It's their last show ever. And uh, I believe it's at the Annex. Um, it's either the Annex or the Frequency. I'll check back and record it in the intro, correct? But it's their last show, and you should go check them out. And, you know, as always, we here at Madison Story Sam love you. Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for your time.